0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is going on, everybody? I am Jamie Shaw. I am back here again with my co-host, Scott Spinelli, and this is The Breakdown. Scott, how you doing?
1: Awesome, Jamie. Nice seeing you again, and uh... You know, we've talked about the, the Thanksgiving holiday. Hopefully, we, uh, we're both recovering from, you know, the turkey and all the, all, all the, the fixing. So, uh, great to see you.
0: Well, for, for me, Thanksgiving is always all about the, uh, the side dishes. The, obviously, you are going to have the turkeys and the hams, but the side dishes is what really separates the meals um, from everything else. But before we get into it, let's go ahead and jump right in and let the listeners know who we are uh, so that they know who they're listening to and everything. My name is Jamie Shaw. I am National Recruiting Analyst at Rivals.com. I am also the author of one of the largest scouting services, recruiting services in the country, ABC Scouting Report. Scott, let them know who you are. Well, Jamie, I, again, I've had a chance to coach at every
1: level of basketball uh, upon graduating college and you know, my family and I have moved around quite a bit. We've lived in a lot of different places geographically uh, around the country, a lot of different leagues, worked for a lot of great coaches and mentors along the way. Uh, And, you know, again, I I think part of this profession, you know, if you really uh, enjoy what you're doing, uh, is meeting so many different people, whether it's people, colleagues, whether it's, you know, administrators, or whether it's just the families and the players that you've recruited. Uh, And so we've enjoyed that side of it more than anything. Um, But, again, I've coached every level of basketball, Jamie, and and look forward to, you know, where the future takes us from here.
0: This episode is going to be the Wake Forest episode. Uh, If you've been following us at the breakdown, we're going through the entire ACC. um, We have gone through the majority of the league already. So if you want to go ahead and and go back, whether you're listening to us on YouTube, whether you're listening to us on the podcast, go back and listen to the previous episodes. And if you enjoy what we have on this episode, please feel free to subscribe. Please rate us five stars. Please comment below what you think about the Wake Forest program. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into Wake Forest. They're in year two of the Steve Forbes era at Wake Forest. Steve Forbes came in with a winning pedigree, Northwest Florida State, a junior college 62 and six in his two years there, got the job at East Tennessee State, and his five years at ETSU, he was 130 and 43, Finished in the top three every single year while he was in the Southern Conference, going to an NCAA tournament as well. Um, and in year one, Wake Forest taking over Danny Manning's roster, he was six and sixteen. Year two, he has almost flipped the entire roster, uh, keeping only Isaiah Musius as the only holdover from the Danny Manning era on this team. He started the year off six and one um, this season, with the only loss coming, I believe, last night to LSU. They were six and zero leading into that game. What do you know about Steve Forbes, and, and how do you see his mentality fitting in in the ACC at Wake Forest? Well, again, you know, having you know been around the the
1: different levels of basketball, uh, had a chance to work four years at Texas A&M where we, you know, really had great success there. And we actually took over, um, you know, for uh, a coach. And and Coach Steve Forbes was an assistant to the prior regime at Texas A&M, you know, after we took over, uh, excuse me, before we took over. And he's a guy that's gone, you know, come up the ranks. And, you know, knowing Coach Forbes and what he's about, uh, he's a guy that works extremely hard recruiting Uh, He gets after it with his team, Uh, love his demeanor, love his energy. Uh, And you can see why he's had success along the way. Uh, A relentless recruiter with a good eye for talent and also a guy that really works on his developmental side of it in terms of his individual, the individual development of his players. And there's no question that, again, you could see a a resurgence right now in in Wake Forest basketball led by Coach Forbes and his staff.
0: And anytime you're going to flip a roster coming from a different – um, a different coaching staff. You're going to have to do it with a lot of transfers. Um, starting off with uh, Oklahoma transfer, Alondis Williams, six foot five. He's a fifth-year senior. He's the team's leading scorer so far at 19.3 per game. He's also their leading assist guy at 3.7 per game. Long, athletic, explosive. What have you seen so far from Alondis Williams? Well, Jimmy, you know, I, I think you made up – first of all, you bring up an
1: interesting point, and that is that transfer portal. Anytime you can get a young man like this kid, Williams, who's coming from a high-culture program like Oklahoma, uh, who's familiar with winning, um, and you also had a role that you really needed him to fill. You know, we call those system fits. And Coach Forbes and his staff did a really good job identifying uh, this young man, and mainly because they need him, right? They need him to play to his strengths. And early on in the season, you could see a kid – who is very comfortable very confident playing in this style one he's a young man that can get up and down the floor and transition he's very athletic uh, he can also score at all three levels and, and he's putting up really good numbers but he's doing it in an efficient way where again complete player on both ends um and understands the value of playing the game the right way to win And I think that's an important component when you evaluate players in the transfer portal credit to coach Forbes and his staff. They've got a really good player uh, in in Williams and he's obviously putting up unbelievable numbers in a very efficient way early in the season. Another unique transfer
0: they have coming in a six foot nine Indiana state transfer. He's a junior Jake LaRavia. Um, Another guy like Williams who can handle shooting pass. They run a lot of their offense through both of these players Laravia is averaging 14 points per game so far this year, 3.4 assists per game, um, and he's shooting 53.8 percent from three. Um, at, you know, at six foot nine, with the ability to, to do all that type of stuff. What have you seen from Laravia, and, and what do you see, foresee him as he pro- progresses in the ACC? Um, Laravia brings the modern day skill set that you're kind of looking for, right? In bigs, uh,
1: where he can go in and away from the basket. Um, you know, he's a kid that obviously can step out and shoot the three point shot. He can go in the interior, draw fouls. Uh, he's also an exceptionally good passer. And I think when you combine that kind of skill to a front court player uh, and who has experience, you know, who's somewhat battle tested, um, you know, coming into a program like Wake Forest, filling another need, another great system fit, uh, again, he's really what they needed and he's playing to his strengths. I think he's a kid that's going to do really big things at wake uh, not only this year, but in his future, because he's kind of a matchup problem too. They can play different ways with him uh, because his ability to go in and away from the basket. But when you can bring a guy in with that kind of size with experience that shoots the three ball, like he can, and also make his teammates better. uh, You know, you can see why he's been successful and look for him to be another, you know, impactful guy, uh, even within the
0: ACC this year uh, because of that skill set he possesses. The third of kind of Wake Forest's three-headed monster, Davian Williamson. He's another transfer, however, he transferred last year, along with Fords from East Tennessee State. Um, he's averaging 15.6 points per game this year, shooting 40% from three. And kind of the unconventional way that, that Wake Forest plays with Williams and LaRavia initiating a lot of the offense, Williams is the one that kind of brings the ball up the floor, big-time shooter and everything. Um, what are you seeing from Williamson, you know, the local kid who came back home uh, from Winston-Salem uh, so far this year?
1: You know, with him, obviously, Jamie, so I've seen him close and uh, in, in, in up front uh, being in the ACC. Uh, coming in last year, a very long athletic guard uh, who is complete. He does on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, bringing a player like, you know, from your old uh, school who's familiar with your coaching style, your system, and he's kind of not missed a beat here. He's actually putting up as good, if not even more efficient numbers here uh, in the ACC at Wake uh, coming from you know where he came from, East Tennessee State. So I think you're looking at another guy um, who can do it on both ends. He makes the three point shot. He's a willing passer, he facilitates. Uh, and again, as we get into the ACC, the fact that he's been in the league already, and had some success, he's going to help these other new transfers who are coming in from different you know, leagues to be able to adjust quickly uh, in terms of the style and how every possession now even amps up that much more in conference play. Williamson is a key, key guy for Wake Forest this
0: year, uh, especially when they get into conference play. While the previous three players were all transfers, Isaiah Mucius. Committed to Wake Forest, committed to Danny Manning out of Brewster Academy. He is the one um, one holdover from the Manning regime. Uh, what does he bring to the table? Obviously, you're familiar with him from the Northeast. What does, what does he bring to the table for this team, and what is his role on this roster? Three-point shooting. He's a weapon. Now, he's a weapon. If he gets it going from the
1: three, and we've seen this in ACC action, you know, he's had games he put up, you know, he can put up six, seven threes, And really get it going from the three point line. Uh, He's also long, athletic. Um, You know, I think what Coach Forbes has done with him, too, is not just define him by his three point shooting. I think he's starting to get a better feel or better understanding of playing the game. The, uh, the right way, he's also taking more pride defensively, guarding the basketball, being in the right position defensively. But if you were to say one thing that Isaiah played, uh brings to the table, and he's done this since his years at Brewster, a New York City kid, he is an excellent three-point shooter, one with great length, and he can get his shot off very quickly,
0: uh, and he's already done it in a big way uh, in the ACC. A lot of the stuff that we've talked about with these players is their offense what they bring to the table offensively and their unique styles that they can bring to the table, handle, handle, shoot, pass, length, athleticism, offensively. This team's going to try to get up and down the floor. They're going to try to push it. And then they're going to try to get into some quick hitters, uh, read and react type of uh, offensive stuff. Take us through what Steve Forbes' offensive identity is and, and how he's looking to implement that within this roster. Well, when you look at Coach Forbes' background, right, so he – you know,
1: obviously coached under Coach Gillespie, you know, great defensive mind, half court type guy. Then, you, you know, he coached under Coach Marshall, Marshall, who can do it on both ends, defense and offense. And then he went to a junior college where the game is a little bit more up-tempo. And I think he, he kind of brings both uh, offensive, um, you know, uh, identities, if there is such a thing, both of them, you know, to his program, meaning this. He can get up and down the floor, which I think he wants to do with his team. Misses and makes. He wants to really get out and run. And at the same time, if you you know if you have to get into the half court, he's a coach also that understands that. Hey, look, you know we need to execute. Everybody needs to do their job in the half court to be successful. With that, what I'd like to do is show a little bit about how they can get up and down the floor and transition. Uh, misses, especially off blocks, and even makes at times. You know Williamson you know, uh, is used to pushing the ball. And if there's an opportunity that they have in transition, whether it's a rim run with a post-up, whether it's a a pitch ahead for a three, they'll take it. Or if they have to get into the half court and run some of their ball screen actions, multiple ball screen actions that they run, uh, I'd like to show that uh, if we could, Jamie. Let's start off right now with transition. In this first offensive clip for Wake Forest, we're going to show them in transition. They're a team that actually wants to get out and run Uh, as much as they possibly can. And they do a really good job uh, in terms of running their lanes and putting pressure on the defense, not only on missed shots, but on makes. Here's a great example of that on a made shot where they take the ball out of bounds. And you can see here Wake Forest's wings are running wide. And he takes one dribble, meaning the guard here for Wake, and pitches it ahead. For young point guards or guards or bigs, Anytime you can advance the ball, whether it's a miss or make to your teammate up the floor on a pass as opposed to dribbling, it really puts pressure on the defense. And that's why it's so important for every player to realize they have a job to do and they've got to run the floor. You're not going to necessarily score the ball every time. You're not necessarily going to be that guy that gets an assist every time. But what you are doing every time is you're helping your team win by putting pressure on the defense because you're running your lane in transition here. You'll see a pitcher ahead, and now their first big right down the middle of his rim running to the front of the rim. And now he just throws it up, you know, in an easy basket um, has, has been given there from Oregon state to wake just simply because wakes players did their job. Each one of them ran their lanes, uh, and it was a great pitch ahead by their guard. In this next position, you're going to see a miss shot here where they rebound the ball, and once again, you can see how wide they're getting out, running their lanes. First big is running, you know, towards the front of the rim, and they pitch ahead. Those pitch aheads uh, are so important to put pressure on the defense. Now what happens is because the big keeps running, he just catches the ball on the pitch ahead, puts his defender in a tough spot because now he's kind of closing out in transition. And now he drives right to the paint, plays off two and because of the big running his spot, getting to the front of the rim, he actually occupies that corner defender for Oregon state. And now it's an easy pass, hips down, hands ready, wide open three for the Wake Forest offensive player. In this next possession, you're going to see Wake uh, in a really, really effective way to attack uh, defensive teams, especially defenses that are set uh, in a simple, you know, kind of a lip out running ball screen where the ball screen is set. And you can see as the ball handler is coming towards the stack side, that little exchange occupies the two defenders for Oregon State. Now they blow the coverage at the point of the ball screen. There's a miscommunication. And because those two strong side offensive players for Wake Forest simply exchanged and occupied the defense, now they blow the point of ball screen defense. There's no help there. And he just drives down the lane with a quick Williamson with a quick up fake finish and one. Simple, simple action. But, again, everybody doing their job and causing the defense to move uh, on the dribble and occupying them on whether it's the strong side or weak side is such an important part of being really
0: good on offense. Any good team, in order to succeed in the ACC, you have to have good post play. Steve Forbes has shown his rotation at the post. You have Colorado transfer Dallas Walton, who came in. Obviously, they went to the tournament last year, um, had a great season used to winning, and then you have Hadeem Sai, uh, started at Oak Hill, went to Virginia Tech, Juco, and then played his last two years at uh, Ole Miss. Both of them are very different. Dallas Walton more on the defensive end, Hadim Sai more on the offensive end. What will Steve Forbes be able to expect to get out of both Walton and Sai, both fifth-year seniors on this team? Well, great experience, right? So both guys are
1: battle-tested. You know, one, uh, Dallas Wall, coming from Colorado, uh, had success there in terms of helping their team get to the tournament. Uh, A kid who's played in some hostile uh, environments in the Big 12. And so I think he's going to bring a lot to the table in terms of his experience. He's got great size to him. A little bit better offensively in terms of facing up and making shots than you'd think. Um, But also, he's a presence at the rim, you know, and he gives them another, you know, option down there to throw the ball into the post. With his size, you know, he's a guy that I'm sure, you know, can put some foul pressure on some teams uh, also this year. Uh, You know, Cy is battle-tested. I mean, we've seen him at Virginia Tech. We've seen him at Ole Miss um, Played for two coaches. You know, one coach, uh, you know, when Buzz was at Va Tech and obviously with, um, you know, Coach Davis Kermit at Ole Miss. You know, two guys that are defensive-minded guys who, uh, you know, really get their guys to play hard. So automatically he's coming in with that mindset that he understands how to really get after it on both ends of the floor. And he's a little bit better offensively too than you think. I mean, he can step away from the basket. He can score in the post. He's active on the offensive glass, but with those two guys, they're bringing in uh, the, the winning mindset, the understanding of how hard you have to play. And again, they're both great system
0: fits. They need both of those two guys with what they lost. Carter Witt comes in as a more traditional point guard um, on this roster. Probably, I don't want to say the only traditional point guard, but a more traditional type of of point guard. He entered college last year, midway through the year, uh, started in in December, uh, played the final 10 games, I believe, and now he's uh, coming back this year for his sophomore season at Carter Witt. Uh, What are you seeing from Carter Witt, and, and what does this team more importantly need to do? What does Carter need to do for this team to reach their full potential? Well, seeing Kara all the way through high school, we
1: were actually recruiting him, uh, recruited him a little bit. um, And he actually took an official visit to us. Um, But he's a young man that brings a understanding of the game. He plays at a pace that sometimes almost looks like he's in slow motion, but he's very efficient with the basketball. He makes his teammates better. Um, He's got a little bit of a toughness to him, more of an inner fire, not an outward emotional kid, kind of even temper. A temperament type guy doesn't get too high or low and that's an important part of being in the ACC to you know be able to kind of adjust to the highs and lows that occur game to game possession to possession um, as the season goes and you know he makes his teammates better he'll make three point shots got a little bit better mid-range game than you think also what I think his best strength is watching him through high school Jamie I don't know if you'd agree with this his, he's really good in ball screens. He's very good at making the right decision in ball screen situations. And again, when you're recruiting, you want to recruit guys that you want that understand you will you know can fit your system, how you want to play. And I think that's one of the things that Coach Forbes and his staff have done a great job of. You know, Witt is another guy who's a great system fit because there's a lot of ball
0: screens set, you know, within their offense. And lastly, the last player I kind of want to go through here, Cam Hildreth, the freshman from Europe, uh, came in with a lot of hype. Um, he's, he's lived up to it so far. I mean, he's coming off the bench averaging just less than 20 points per game, or minutes per game, averaging seven points, grabbing four rebounds, 2.4 assists. He's in the top five um, in scoring, rebounding, and assists so far, shooting 50% from the three and 80% from the free throw line. Um, What have you seen from Hildreth so far? And and, and what are the expectations of Hildreth moving forward? Well,
1: to your point, he had a lot of it. There's a lot of hype and excitement around him. And for good reason. When you watch him on video, you know, you watch a kid that he's got game. He's a baller. He can really, um, you know, he can play. And so I think with him, his statistics are only going to get better and better as he gets more acclimated, you know, to the speed of the college American game. But again, a guy that can step out and shoot the three-point shot, he's kind of an offensively very skilled player uh, who can do it in a lot of different ways. He's a three-level guy. He can make his teammates better. He shoots the three. And what I like about him, again, and it's early in his career, he seems to be playing with that confidence. Uh, You know, you almost talk about amnesia, right, with shooters and you miss a shot, you miss two or three, you know, it doesn't affect you on the other end of the floor defensively, or it doesn't affect your confidence on the next offensive shot. And I like what you you have seen right now, early in
0: his career uh, with this young man. We talked about their offensive identity earlier, playing fast Um, defensively. uh, This team is very aggressive. They're going to get after you pressure the ball, great team defense, and they're going to play really hard. Um, It seems that uh, Forbes wants to implement an aggressive in your face style on both ends of the floor. Take us through a little bit of what he's doing on defense and take us through a little bit of how he implements all these athletes and this length on the defensive end of the floor. You
1: know, again, Coach Forbes is a product of two defensive minded, uh, you know, coaches who he's worked under. Obviously, you know, Coach Gillespie at a and and Coach Marshall at Wichita State, uh, both excellent uh, defensive guys in terms of their identities, which they've established with their teams over the years. And Coach Forbes is no different. He comes into games, and there's a, there's an understanding that when you play against Wake right now, they're coming after you defensively. Great pressure on the basketball. Great positioning, one pass away, two passes away. Understanding head on a swivel. You know, seeing both the ball and, and your man. They're very well drilled, well schooled there. And at the same time, you know, it's there's a defensive uh, team, defensive camaraderie uh, amongst his guys, and it's only going to get better as he continues to change and mold the, the identity that he's looking for defensively. And what I like to do is really show them in their man to man and how they're really getting after it game to game. You know, at times they're showing aggressively hard with ball screens and other times they're doing a lot of switching and I I'd like to kind of talk a little bit about that and show where again, Jane, we've said this countless times, any great defense starts with pressure on the ball. And right now wake with Williamson, Williams, Uh, they're really getting after you with defensively on the ball. And i like the shot to show that right here. LSU is coming down in in kind of a secondary situation. And here comes like a lip out or a running ball screen random. And you can see the Wake Forest defenders both working together. We call that at the point of the ball screen. And so the the defender now is showing aggressively hard making the ball handler feel him. We like to use the rules, two dribbles when you're showing aggressively hard. Uh, We call that the hard hedge uh, concept. And now the defender actually communicates the guard, meaning for weight gets over the screen under his man and meets the ball with his hands high. So important that players see that because that takes away any direct pass That could be made, And it might sound like a little thing, but with his hands high like that, if the LSU offensive player wants to make a pass, he's going to have to make that pass with air under it. And that gives his teammates time to recover. Remember, every possession is not just about individual defense. It's about team defense. And then you can see the little tag here. And again, he covers great ground, high hand closeout. He runs to the top side, meaning the post player for Wake doesn't run behind his man. For young guys watching this, don't run behind the post. We call that smashing him. Get on the top side of him and hit him. And now you have a possession here where, again, you know, love the high hands. Here's another kind of lip out ball screen. This time he kind of slips it. And look at the communication here where where everybody is moving in the direction of the dribble and/or the pass. And now he just beats him to the spot once again, stays on his feet. We talk, we talk about that as taking up the space. Don't leave your feet till the offense leaves his. And now you force him into a situation where the five-man is trying to make a play happen late. We switch because it's late clock, big small, and you force him into a high hand top foot contest. Text put defensive possession by Wake Forest. You're going to see it kind of in a made shot situation. You're going to see their point guard Williamson kind of just running with the basketball, kind of that airplane technique with his arms out, uh, making sure that he's not giving any type of direct passes. Then you look at the Wake Forest players in transition. You can see they're kind of in a stance. But what you really kind of take notice, take note here of any any coach or player watching. Watch and look at their fingertips and how they're pointing. And I'm sure there are voices uh, at the same time. We call that fingertips and voices in communication. One of the biggest parts defensively that is something that really helps your team is if you can emphasize fingertips and voices, whether it's especially in transition, but in the half court also. Here you have Wake Forest, a little random kind of ball screen and you can see, you know, don't take this for granted. Williamson on the ball, you know, could have easily run into that screen. But, again, he's so well-drilled. He's determined. He just punches over the thing and kind of now squares his man up. You look at the Wake Forest defenders off the ball. They're in a stance. They're in a position where they're seeing both the ball and their man. You're going to see as the possession goes, you'll see this, these two defenders here um, on Wake, their men on this stack side just kind of exchange. And you see, you hear the voices, you see the fingertips, and there's communication where now the top defender for Wake takes the bottom guy who's exchanged coming high, and the bottom defender from Wake takes the high guy who came low. Great communication there. And then you'll see, again, there's kind of a back door now where they actually re-switch back to their own guys. And again, you'll see great help in the post there. Uh, we call that first to the floor. When you get to the floor first, we keep that statistic. It's an important part of your identity. And now they're off to an offensive possession uh, because of that defensive fundamental five guys working together uh, in that possession. This next possession, you're going to see Wake now, same type of stance, seeing both the ball and their man. You can see their fingertips, hear their voices, They're communicating switches. Williamson punches over the ball screen now, and then you'll see how they beat the guy over the back screen. That's a really good defensive play uh, made by the Wake Forest defender where he doesn't even get screened. We talk about that all the time. And the reason why he doesn't get screened, because he has great awareness and he doesn't raise up. Oftentimes, young players uh, or any player for that matter, and this is for coaches of all levels, what you you don't want to do in any screen situation, if your teammate says screen right, screen left, back screen, you don't want to raise up. And because when you raise up, now it's easy to get screened. And in this case, the weight defender, you know, gets over that back screen. You you see the fingertips now initiating a switch and it blows up. They blow up the handoff, almost get a steal there. Um, and again, everybody's picking up their uh, energy level. Here's a, a rejection on the ball screen. And look at the weight defender not accept that rejection and beat his man to the spot, getting that arm out. Uh, Again, running with the ball, that airplane technique, and you can see the Wake defenders in position to help him if they need to. But again, he picks up, he gets in front of his man, excellent possession, nobody overhelps. And now you're in a situation where, again, you know, a little bit of a jab there and they finish the possession. Top foot, high hand contest, and the percentages go in their favor as long as they finish possessions by blocking out and rebounding. And you can see Wake do that there.
0: And finally, after going through all of the um, identity, the offensive identity of this team, the defensive identity of this team, the personnel, I kind of wanted to ask you a, a little philosophical question because I think that this, this team, more so than any other, kind of exudes this. Um, Steve Forbes appears in his roster that he wants to get older and he wants to get more athletic. Looking through the guys that he's bringing in, what he's doing to Dallas Walton's fifth-year senior, the, the Linus Williams' fifth-year senior, they're all lengthy, athletic and old. What is it to that in college basketball, um, you know, in the the philosophical side of things or in the thoughts of of building a team or a roster of getting older and getting more athletic? Well, anytime
1: that you can get a team that's older and more experienced. and And I think there's two ways to look at this, Jamie, for me, you know, I'm a guy that would love to have use the transfer portal uh, in spots right in terms of filling needs uh year to year but i'd like to have continuity and really develop guys within the program over the time and you know i think there's a certain camaraderie uh, a certain um you know uh passion for watching the guys you know that develop within the program and that's another that's a, that's one of the ways i think you can get old the other way to get old is the way that coach forbes is doing it and that is You know, look for their top, for their five starters are transfers, and you know, but they're utilizing the transfer portal to get old and get you know experienced guys. But what they're doing a very good job of is they're getting system fits. They're not just taking guys to get old to get old. And I think there's something to be said about that also as another way to get your team in a position where you've got great experience to get old. Look, there's a big difference, Jamie, in a 23, 24 year old young man than playing against an 18, 19 year old kid uh, just because of their mental and physical maturation. And I think, again, that speaks to what, you know, most coaches are trying to do at the division one level. And this portal now, this transfer portal is making college coaching relationship-based coaching. I'm going to say it one more time. It's relationship-based coaching. And by that, I mean twofold. One, if you've been in the profession for a long time and you've got great relationships uh, in this business and you've been a guy that's recruited over the years and you've followed through and meaning that you've done right by your players, it's like anything else. your best and av- best and worst advertisement will be word of mouth. So that's a huge advantage for guys who have been in the profession who have established a great network. The other side of it is being a head coach, and I know this from sitting in that seat, and that is if you've got a relationship with those kids, and they understand that you really truly care about them both on the floor and off the floor, that's another side of this right now that's really important in the college coaching, even in the NBA for that matter. But the game has now become relationship-based coaching uh,
0: at the collegiate level. Yeah, no doubt. And he's, he's kind of in an interesting spot too, obviously taking over a program that hasn't really been good for the last 10 years. You know, bringing over Jeff Bezdellick into Danny Manning, the roster you know, not a lot of talent on the roster. A lot of guys transferred out. So the, it's a tricky place in order of flipping a roster to your own players um, as well as bringing in talent that you can groom and grow into your system because every coach is different. You know, what, what they do in one place is not what they do at the other place. And as you said, you know, physical fits, game fits, um, you know, fitting the system of what you're trying to run and everything too. It's, it's kind of a tricky, a tricky spot to be in to flip a roster but also do so um, with longevity in mind. It is. And, you know, Jamie, I think, you know, when you look at this landscape
1: now in college basketball, you know, the transfer portal uh, could be a very valuable asset, but it also could be, you know, fool's gold too. And there's gonna, and, I, and again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, you know, the coaches who have come up the ranks, the guys who have kind of paid their dues, who have been at all these different levels of basketball and In coach Forbes's case, you know, you're talking about not only being at high level Division One programs as an assistant, but mid majors, low majors, uh, and then being at a junior college as a head coach. Look, you know, you've come up the ranks, you've seen it, you understand what goes on, and then you have a strong network that is going to pay huge dividends uh, within the transfer portal. And most of all, you understand how important it is for relationship-based coaching, and that's the, the game today you have to understand that there's no more uh, these kids have gone through a whole heck of a lot, you know, with recent COVID. And then you talk about the social media side of it, you know, kids are very fragile in a lot of ways. And I think if you understand that and there's a genuine respect uh, between both you and the players, um, you know, tough love at times, but also understanding that you care about those kids and you want them to do well, not just on the court, but off the floor. I think that that really is the formula right now for success, as a head coach at the Division One level.
0: No, absolutely. And, and, and guys, thank you all so much for listening in, tuning in here. This is Wake Forest. If you enjoyed what you heard here, subscribe to us, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on the podcast. Subscribe, rate us five stars. We want to hear in the comments below what you think of the Wake Forest team. We want to hear who your favorite Wake Forest player is of all time. How good can this Wake Forest team be, et cetera, et cetera. Please just comment, interact with us below. Um, Here, Also, if you enjoyed this, go back and listen to the other ACC stuff that we have. We've gone through the entire conference um, as well, broken down everything, going from personnel to the offensive, defensive identity and everything. So be sure to check that out. But until next time, I am Jamie Shaw, my co-host, Scott Spinelli. We'll see you next time. Thank you guys very much. Thanks, guys.